welcome back to another episode of the Strozzi Football Podcast. I'm Anthony McGuire, and on this week's pod, we discuss another disappointing night in Europe for both Celtic and Rangers on match day two of the Europa League. Review all the league action, a few controversial refereeing decisions on a week where the league will be discussing VAR and whether it should be introduced into Scottish football. And we preview a Scotland doubleheader, a Scotland take on Israel again, and they are also away to the Faroese. Richards, lockdown is closely, slowly but surely coming to an end. How are you? I'm great. I can actually see it from here. We're counting down and sending. We've got five, four, three, six, yeah, six days to go. Um, no, it must be less than that now. I, I've, in fact, I've just forgotten how to count because I've been less in lockdown than a week. for so long. I that that as well. So yeah, and I and I hear the W kind of vaccine targets been set, and good old Marky boys actually decided, oh, we're going to have to open up to the rest of the world. So, um, because I reckon what was going to happen was people were going to come from Perth to Sydney so they could get out of the country and then come mm-hmm. back to Sydney do their home quarantine in Sydney and then complain about the fact they couldn't get back to Perth. Now, this is very parochial, and I know it's got nothing to do with Scottish football, but do you think that's a reasonable assessment? I think so. I think the pressure will start to mount on WA going into the new year as for a plan to when we're going to open up. So um, uh, he just announced that FIFO fly-in, fly-out workers who go to the mines here in, in Australia need to um, be fully vaccinated by the 1st of January. So that basically means they've got just under three months to get that sorted. So I think the push is on um, and we need to catch up with Sydney and, uh, oh, sorry, you know, New South Wales and uh, Victoria. But um, hopefully early in 2022 will be, um, yeah, things will start to open up across the nation. Open for business. Well, the Matildas have got a game at the end of uh, October to bring it back to football against Brazil. That's uh, slated for the Parramatta Stadium, uh, a 5,000 capacity. It'll be interesting to see. But we talk about the Scotty football, the Scottish football, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Leverkusen, Noel Veer, founded in 1904, and uh, it was Noel Veer at Celtic Park. Not a great result. Yeah, as I as I said in my little uh, blurb for last week's pod, it was a bitter pill for uh, Celtic to swallow getting gubbed four 0 Look, they had the chances. Celtic could have could have made it a little bit more respectable. Could have been a little bit tighter at the back. Some of the chances that they gave by Leverkusen were bordering on criminal. Um, I think. Yeah, playing David Turnbull and Tom Rogic in the same team in Europe is just not gonna not gonna work. Not against the caliber of opposition like Bayer Leverkusen. Um, Imagine talking about like a Celtic game in Europe where they had great attacking flair and the dodgiest central defence you've ever seen. I, I mean, I think in the absence of Bobo Baldi, Celtic and central defence have been oh, a bomb scare waiting to happen at any particular moment in the last fifteen years. Well, I, I think the fact that Joe Hart actually made three or four really good saves as well sort of tells you that, you know, 4-0 sounds like an absolute pounding, but it could it could easily have been, you know, five or six. But then on the flip side, it, Celtic could easily have scored a couple of goals as well. Like they missed some guilt-edge chances. Bit of a surprise that McGregor and Kyogo were back off the off the injury list. They suppose started. Probably Kyogre a little bit rusty in front of goal, but definitely a boost. And you you dread to think how things would have went had both of them not have been playing. Um, but you know, you think you would thought that Bayer Leverkusen were going to top the group. I think that's almost a certainty now. 
Um, Rangers, on the other hand, they were away to Sparta Prague um, and really didn't put in a, 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 a decent effort against a team, a Sparta Prague team that was depleted. I think they had eight first team players missing. They had a stadium full of children um, and they managed to jag a, a 1-0 win um, with a, a looping header from a corner. And that was really, but uh, that and the fact that Glenn Kamara got sent off for two bookable offences, that was really the two notable things in that game. As far as I tell Richard, was there anything you wanted to add? Or? Uh, Rangers had the ball in the net uh, and, and it was kind of chalked off for, uh, I think, offside. But, I, you know, look, I, I think that it was, a, it was a difficult game. Alan McGregor had a, a great save before the goal. Um tricky game I think that Sparta Prague actually acquitted themselves very well it was, it was a, um, a weird atmosphere there's obviously kind of some UEFA stuff coming out the back of uh, all the children in the stadium booing uh, Kamara whenever he was on the ball before he was sent off so uh, there's kind of lots of unfortunate history now going on between Rangers and Prague I can't imagine that that's going to be a, a location for stag nights for uh, fans of a certain Glasgow club any time in the next couple of years Aye, it was difficult, but um, both teams on zero points, and 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 it, it, you know that's that's the worry. Uh, you know they're going to have to pick up a couple of points in the next couple of games to be any interest or fist of what's going on. Uh, Leverkusen, incidentally, are are uh, equal top now of the Bundesliga, uh, and just behind Bayern Munich on goal difference. Bayern Munich having succumbed to their first defeat of the season uh, this weekend just past. Moving on to, it was a really good weekend of football that followed that. And uh, I'd like to touch, first of all, on our wonderful ability to tip Mullable. Anytime Mullable are said out loud as potential winners for any game, particularly when you see it, it doesn't end well. And it didn't end well. No. Well, Hearts with a couple of soft penalties in my book. Um, they got one after four minutes. Uh, Liam Kelly probably... Oh, well, that was fair enough. That was a He should have... Well, I think... The keeper shouldn't have gone to the ground. He should just a jockeyed voice. He was going nowhere. He was going away from goal, actually. Um, got a little bit carried away. It's tripped him ever so slightly. It's a penalty. And Point Boyce stuck it away, make it 1 0. So that takes the pressure off. Then you've got Craig Gordon doing Craig Gordon things at the other end. Um, he's now got the most percentage of saves for shots in the league. He was doing uh, a bit of basketball, actually. It was kind of some stuff like kind of rolling around in the ground. It's almost like beach volleyball at, p- at yeah, points. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, was, he was bouncing and parrying them and doing, doing everything. He was, but he was getting in the way and he was stop, stop, stopping goals. Um, the free kick, however, for Hearts, that was a, that was a, a tidy finish. Yeah. Um, the name of the boy escapes me right at this moment in time, but he... Um, that was actually that was quite tidy. That was Stephen Kingsley on twenty-two minutes to make it two-nil. Um, yeah, that was that was tidy. That wrong-footed Kelly for the Hearts' second goal. Um, Hearts were another penalty in the second half. That one Kelly saved, but again, that one was even softer, and I don't think that should have been a penalty. Um, but yeah, Motherwell a few a few chances, but Gordon up to the up to the task. I think um, your man. Tony Watt with a volley that 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 did that was, really parry that away. Yeah, so that was a, that was probably that. I mean, um, that was a fabulous strike. And but yeah, the beach volleyball from from um, Craig Gordon throughout the Davis game. Davis Mugabe had a close range effort as well from across. Yeah, that yeah, that that, oh, that was in the was, net, uh, and I think it was chalked off for chalked uh, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, so we're so right about. Well, they say Hearts are the only unbeaten team other than Rangers still, so um, fair play to them. After I tipped them, they wouldn't finish in the top six. Whoops. 
Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Rangers because they they came back from um, one behind, so they played a, a game later, and of course we said that it would be so hard for them coming back from Prague and travelling. Uh, Hibbs cracking goal from Kevin Nisbet in eight minutes to, to score, and then probably the biggest talking point of the weekend: Ryan Porteous getting sent off. Now here's my take. I think. You know, the, the, the rule is that if you are recklessly endangering a player and you are not in control, then it's a red card. So I think that Ryan Porteous was not in control. I would argue about the recklessly endangering bit. I think Joe Rebo made as much as he could about of it. And I think that there's been some chat about there being no contact. I've not seen all the angles. I've not watched the four angles. But what I saw of it was he launched himself into a tackle that he didn't need to launch himself into, studs up, and the guy folds. And you give the referee a decision to make, and you've got no VAR. I, uh, we've had this, we've, we've said this previously, but I, I, it's one of those ones where I, I classify it as an amber card. It's one of these ones where some referees will give it as a red, and some referees will give it as a yellow. What tips it into yellow category for myself is the fact that he didn't make contact with Joe Rebo. The, the contact was with the ball. Um, yeah, he shouldn't, shouldn't be sliding in like that. And like I said, he's giving the referee a decision to make. Um, and unfortunately, the game turned on that decision because then it was an uphill battle for Hibs. They hung in there as long as they could, but they obviously ended up conceding a couple of, um, a couple of goals. Um, there was also quite a lusty challenge from Lundstrom similar style of challenge um and that when i think that went unpenalized that didn't get a yellow yeah, card didn't get yellow yeah so the consistency there for me is lacking um so that's another issue but i just felt that it had he caught aribo in the slightest then definitely red card all day long but i just think the the, the doubt in people's mind comes from the fact that he he, he only got contact with the ball and not with the player like you say, should he be lunging in like that? No, he shouldn't. And like I said, they gave the referee a decision to make. But for me, yellow card, play on. But I'm not the referee. And I must admit, we have the benefit of watching it umpteen times from many different angles. The referee gets to see it once. And hence why VAR is being looked at um, this weekend. That's going to be massively popular, I feel sure not. I, I think, like, can you imagine, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of imagining that if it kind of trickles down the league and you're in Montrose and it's a November night and uh, it's the League Cup or something like that and, and the wind's howling in off the North Sea and then they've got like 15 VAR decisions to make in the course of a night. I, I, I'm sorry, my pie's not going to stay warm enough for that. Um, I, think, um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think we're going for the, the Euros slash the English Premier League version of VAR, which is really only for real clear and obvious errors. And I think, I must admit, the VAR during the, the Euros didn't really waste anything for me. It was pretty unintrusive. Um, it was really only double-check goals and just the odd thing that the referee had to double-check. But for the most part, the, re- the actual officiating at the Euros was actually really, really good. But I found that the VAR didn't really interfere. I think it was probably one of the, I think maybe the Portugal-France game or something like that. It seemed like they were on VAR all the time. But apart from that, one game, I thought it was pretty unintrusive and it, it led to getting the right decision 99% of the time. So at the end of the day, that's what we want. But we'll see. Time will tell. El Buffalo scoring the winning goal, Rangers top of the league. Uh, Celtic went to Petodre, um, looking really 
pretty handy on the back of uh, their doing at the hands of Leverkusen. Um, an amazing left breast goal from Kyogo Furuhashi. Uh, that's probably that, that's one of the first chested goals I think I've seen of the season um, from a decent cross. Luis Ferguson, a uh, very good equaliser. Aberdeen looks fairly threatening. Uh, and then your man Jota scoring uh, in the 84th minute. Good win. Yeah, look, it was it was strappy do. Um, it really wasn't a one for the ages. Um, it was quite like a lot of possession turnover, particularly in the second half. Aberdeen weren't at the races in the first half. Um, Celtic didn't really create any chances, or they only ended up with two chances on goal, which both led to goals. So they were more clinical than they probably have been in previous encounters. Um yeah, I mean Aberdeen, you know, could have could have jagged it. Stopped Brown with a really good chance. Um, that was a really good save, rough reflex save from Joe Hart. And funnily enough, Johnny Hayes with a shot as well. The other two other ex Celtic player who could have pinched all three points for Aberdeen. Based on the first half, you think it wouldn't be possible, but they did come out the, the traps in the second half and made more of a battle of it. Scott Brown going off with cramp. I kind of felt that that sort of turned the game back in Celtic's favour. So I, did, I did feel that he was sort of driving the midfield charge for, for Aberdeen. Um, and then it was just a piece of brilliance from Rogic to release um, Montgomery, who set up Jota for the for the goal. But um, yeah, the, the refereeing was poor. It just was really stop-start. It was, it, like I said, it was quite a horrible game to watch. And Bobby Celtic won ugly in the end. And... Really, really big, massive three points on the road, and maybe that sort of spring springboards the the rest of the season. Aberdeen, a team in transition, which is a nice way of saying they're shite. Um, <laughs> so they've got some work to do. They seriously have got work to do because um, that first half, if they turn out performances like that on a regular basis, they're not going to be winning many games. Uh, simple as that. Well, they're in trouble, and and I think that it's it always interesting to hear a Celtic fan talking about another team in transition and then describing them as shite. But I'll let that. I'll just let that lie. I'll leave that there for the time being. At Fourteen and a half thousand at Petodre. Uh, I have to say that um, Livingston against Samir, we did say that this would be one of those things that we just felt that we had to say something about. But the crowd for that game was one thousand six hundred twenty-seven. Um, so for just getting back to Premiership football and this being at some time of the year, who knows what that is a harbinger of. But anyway, we did say that St. Martin would win 1-0 and St. Martin won 1-0 and that's all I'm going to say about it. Because Matt, the all, next... all I'd say is Max Stryat with another mistake. So yeah. Ethan Ehrenholm with a shot that he should have easily saved but stooted underneath him. So that, that will hurt David Martindale because Livingston actually had quite a few chances to, to equalise and, and couldn't find the back of the net. So that one will sting a little bit for Livy. So there you go. So uh, they're honking at the moment. Um, so Livy are at the bottom. Aberdeen are just spared by the fact that Livy are more honking than them. And only minorly less honking Dundee. Uh, beaten by St. Johnson 3-1. Decent crowd. Uh, 5,000 or so at McDermott Park. Uh, which which actually that kind of thinned out considerably when Dundee scored their third goal. Oh, sorry, St. Johnson scored their third goal in the 46th minute. Good old Stevie May. Who looks well, much I'm, younger when he takes his hair down? You've got to see him. Like, there's four <laughs> of them in the pub after the game this weekend at the Cherry Bank in, in Perth. It looks quite glamorous. Yeah, well, he's got luscious, luscious locks. He needs to use them <laughs> more. Um, Chris Kane, probably with the strike of the week, um, the first goal, like, absolutely gave the keeper up. Yeah, no chance. And ends up with a brace. Um, yeah, probably a little bit more open than we kind of thought this would have ended up. Uh, St. John's second win of the league campaign, Dundee. In all sorts of bother, um, 
manager McPeak in the stands, so he wasn't even allowed on the touchline. Seven, some sort of yeah, touchline ban, I'm guessing. Yes, yeah. not going very well, um, is it? Yeah. Uh, uh, not, not going, the other side of town, United, we've gone okay. Um, Omari Iskandar, who I think waited in Boris's Brexit Britain, waited for about 14 weeks to get his visa to actually be able to play a game. Um, but he scored his first goal for Dundee United against Ross County. Uh, we still know further forward in the, the, uh, the, the nobody nobody got up to us about the kind of uh, the lip sync about what was going on in, in the bench discussion uh, with Malky Mackay at Millwall. Um, anyway, very, not much footage of Malky McKay this time. Ross County uh, goal chalked off very late on in the game for uh, an infringement that I don't actually, I didn't really see that terribly well. I think it was a, I think it was a foul off the ball, um, or or perhaps a handball to, to kind of uh, to to put it into the path for for the shot. But ultimately, it, my only final word on the United versus Ross County, I don't know if you got to see it, um, Anthony, was that Peter Pollitt got booked. <laughs> well, I was just trying to touch on the um, the racism claims as well. So Giander Fuchs um, claimed that he was racially abused from the stands um, before halftime. Um, after the match, Tam Courts went up with a show racism, the red flag t-shirt and waved it in front of the Ross County yeah, supporters. I liked a bit uh, of maturity. And then uh, tit for tat, uh, Malcolm McKay after the the match saying, "Oh, you know, we we cleared it, and no racism has happened." And we spoke to the fans, and and our our, our support workers spoke to Dundee United support workers. So then, they haven't actually spoken to the player who was racially vilified. Um, and then they've then launched a state a club statement after that saying that, you know, that Dundee United were out of order, particularly time courts. And then Dundee United have now lodged their report to the, S- the SPFL. So it will remains to be seen what comes of all this, but it seems to be two different narratives being spun. Um, and ultimately, shouldn't you be talking to the player? Shouldn't he be the one that sort of, like, directs it all? So um, time will tell how that one plays out, but not a good look all round. They'll be quaking and doing well. Rangers in the Champions League position. They are 19 points. Hearts are second, 18 with a goal difference of nine. Hibs uh, just behind them on 15 with a goal difference of six. Motherwell are in fourth. United are also up there on 14 points. They're in fifth place. Celtic six on 13 points. And at the bottom, uh, Livingston uh, on four points. Aberdeen above them uh, on in eight points on a ninth place. Ross County and Dundee very close to the ignominy of into the championship three points each at this particular and and after one more game we'll have played a quarter of the season it's all moving on international break thank goodness for the international break um scotland are playing oh israel Israel. (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sorry if it's a cliche and i'm sorry if we keep laughing about it but we just i think we talk about scotland playing israel every six weeks yes it does kind of feel that way at the moment um What's there to say? I mean, they they do seem to be uh, Scotland's bogey team. Like they, they do tend to match up fairly well against each other. Nia Beton seems to grow a leg every time he plays against Scotland for Israel. Um, and interestingly enough, he actually won a start for Celtic in a long uh, first time in a long time in the midfield against Aberdeen, and actually played played reasonably well um, until he was substituted. Are you, um, are you suggesting that he tries to play himself into international contention? And to, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just all I'm saying is that he's a handy he's a handy player. Like he he, he has 
he can sometimes have a bit of a brain fade or do some daft things, and he's done that for Celtic a few times. What, but what was the thing that he was sent off for? Was it one of the Champions League qualifiers or something like that? They got it was one of the yeah one of the Champions League qualifiers against uh, the the. The Swedish team doesn't matter. What? No, no, it's Rangers. No, Malmo. no, no. It's uh, Michelin when they oh, play Michelin at home. Yeah, Michelin, he got yeah. sent off for for elbowing or flicking someone, or right. he, he did something yeah. pe- very yeah. petulant. Yes. Um, but it's a great um, football he, cliche, that isn't it? Petulant, a petulant, petulant. kick. Yes, uh, him and uh, him and another ex-Celtic player in oh, his name is just completely escaped my mind. Ile Berkovic. No. No, nope. the other one, set a half. Oh gosh, played oh, played uh, right back. I I know. I was thinking Moy Elinusi, but he's Norwegian. No, nah. oh, man, far out. That's shocking. El Hamid, yes, El Hamid, yes. El-Hamid. He's not. He's yeah. not in the squad actually. Is he not? No, he's not in the squad. Ooh. No, um, Leo Abada is. Um, so that's the other yeah. kind of Scottish connection. So yeah, they're. Um, Yes, there's certainly a few kind of uh, connections within the Scottish. I mean, there's certainly it's, it's been quite a kind of rich ground for Scottish clubs to kind of take folk from Israel, and, and, and particularly I think Celtic. Um, but the you Rangers know, have their own kind of connections with with Israel over the years as well. Um, that said, playing at home at Hampden on Saturday, um, Scotland are currently second in the group with uh, Israel one point behind them. Austria distance distance away on seven points four points behind Scotland now so it looks like it's between Israel and Scotland this could be a six pointer because Denmark have won six from six yeah absolutely I mean this 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 if we beat Israel it pretty much puts us in the prime posse I mean obviously we still have to do the business against the Faroe Islands over in the Faroe Islands <laughs> it's a game that always uh, makes me nervous like well, you want to go, you want to, go sticky- to Taurus having it's blown a hooli off the North Sea and we might not be quite as good as we think we are well, it's a wee sticky fixture. I think we've also got to play Moldova away as well. And we, we struggled to beat them at home. We beat them 1-0. So, yeah. look, still have to do the business against the minnows of the elite, of the, the group. But if we can somehow get a win against Israel, that will effectively put us in prime position. And then from there on in, it's just a matter of seeing out those two fixtures. And then the last game against the Danes will be a dead rubber. If that if that all goes to fruition, but yeah. um, yeah, it's one of these things. It's where the goals are going to come from, and that that always seems to be Scotland's biggest biggest concern. So you're well, you're, you're, you're usually Kevin Lisbeth scored a great goal at the weekend. Um, Ryan Christie's doing all right at Bournemouth. He's not really scored very many goals, but he's in the first team and he's competing and he's and he's doing what he did at Celtic. I mean, he's competitive and he's getting himself in, in positions where he can score goals. Um, Chi Adams, I think, has added a completely different dimension to uh, probably the best innovation in the Scottish front line that I can remember for the past 10, 15 years. I mean, he just makes space and creates chances. And, and although he and Lyndon Dykes may not be the ideal kind of two up front if you're going to play two up front I think that's what will happen I think the two I think the two of them will be involved up front and I think well, it's going to be between uh, I, I don't know if Ryan Fraser is fit but between him and Kevin is but in, in terms well, of that I think competition Lyndon Dykes popped up for an assist against QPR on their 3-2 win over Reading Shea Adams was an unused sub in a 3-1 defeat to Chelsea and he hasn't stored in his last five Premier League appearances mm. this season so mm. you'd have to say Shea Adams not exactly in the the best of form um and uh ryan fraser has been benched the last two games for newcastle 
Um, Ryan Christie with three assists for Bournemouth. John McGinn, very close to the equaliser in Villa's 2-1 defeat away to Spurs. Um, God, McTominay, you've, done, you've, you've done your properly EPL stuff, man. That's yeah, cool. McTominay, three, he's played it in the last three games in a brief spell out with a groin injury. Um, so... There's, there's some form players there, there's some not form players there, but I think, as Stevie Clark says, when everyone gets together and you get the feel-good factor happening, things things can change. And sometimes for players, a change of scenery is just what they need just to you know, find another dimension to their uh, to their game. But I'm going to put, put it all out there and say that Scotland will walk away with six points in the, over, the, over this uh, international break um, and uh, will be in prime posse for a playoff qualifier hopefully not against Serbia again or anything like that but David Marshall long gone from that whole kind of picture and um, Bruges a uh, winning in um, was it Paris the PSG they beat um, uh, with Jack Jack in Hendry. central defence, yeah. Jack Henry in central defence. Yep. But yeah, no, it's a good win there for them. And yeah, lots of interesting things happening around about that. It's, it's really interesting because the quality and the calibre of the player who are involved in the squad at the moment are all playing at very high levels across Europe in addition to the Scottish League. So it's great to see. Well, I think that's the thing is they're either playing in a top level or they're featuring like well in their team. So like you've got the likes of Christie playing in the championship, but he's play he's starting and playing. So as long as players are playing and they're not just rotten on the bench, I think that's key to any sort of successful squad. Um yeah. but we'll uh, we will see. But like I said, I'm 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 as confident as I'm ever gonna be with Scotland that we're gonna do the business this time around. Jolly and hopefully Hamden's packed out. Oh, is it sold out for the Israel game? Absolutely. There is uh, not, not a ticket to be had for love nor money. Or maybe if you uh, are particularly corporate sponsors, kind of friends of family type chat, you might get a ticket. I, I, I couldn't possibly comment. Uh, Nations League finals. Remember the Nations League? That's on this weekend as well. Uh, so that's starting. That's between uh, some established and well-known uh, reasonable international forces between uh, Roberto Mancini, Luis Enrique, Roberto Martinez and Didier Deschamps. So uh, Belgium, Spain, France and uh, Italy are going to be competing. I, I still don't get this. I, I know it's supposed to replace international friendlies, but I'm still confused because the whole kind of timetable thing just, it all happens in the middle of the night and, and you know, you can go, all right, who are we playing again and why are we playing them? And it's usually Israel, right? So, yeah. <laughs> Is that just insincere? Yeah, well, I, 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 I haven't really got data, Richard, other than that, obviously, you'd rather play a competitive game than a, than a, a friendly, but other than that, it just seems to be filling up um, international breaks, but anyway, we will uh, we'll part that discussion for another another time. Your final thoughts for the week, Antonio? Uh, yeah, I, you know the the racism things definitely pop popped its head up again this week. Um, Marvin Bartley's copping it on social media. He's sort of um, stuck up for um, Glenn Kamara, and then he's getting all these. Um, trolls on there, and so he's he's copping it at the moment. Um, obviously, the thing with Yander Fuchs and the United on the weekend. Um, somebody threw a bottle at Jota after they stored Celtic stored. So he's the, the, he's like twelve years old. He's been charged by um, the police. Um, so there's a few little issues just rumbling around in Scottish football at the moment, which aren't which isn't great to see. There's two investigations that are, are scheduled for the next couple of weeks. 
um, you kind of feel like they've sort of dragging the heels on it a little bit just to try and cool it down a bit rather than actually just getting on with it and actually meeting out some serious punishment. And I think that's the feeling is until some serious, um, like proper punishments are laid out. So, you know, for supporters, it's lifetime bans plus criminal charges. For players, it's got to be lengthy bans to really discourage that from, from continuing to happen. But I just feel that at the moment it's still, um, yeah, there's, there's, there doesn't seem to be enough enough being done, which is really sad in this, you know, we're 2021, we're still, you know, still black players are still feeling, um, you know, vilified and it's not right. Yeah, it looks a really hard one. And I think that the, the only comment I would make is that that uh, I, I have, and we have seen that, that the penalties are increasing and the penalties are getting greater. Um, it's just perhaps not proportionate to what's going on. I don't think the proportion has really been sorted yet. And, you know, if there are societal issues, it's just very tricky. Uh, my final thought is about VAR. Um, I, I really can't see how it would add value but I do see how Scottish football is going to feel it's going to be left behind if they don't do it and I think that uh, particularly in the Premier League and in the week that has just passed uh, Ryan Port is sending off and perhaps one of the penalties um, awarded for Hearts against Motherwell may have been the subject of a VAR review. I'd actually like some thoughts from you on that Anthony, I think we mentioned it briefly before but do you think it's something you want to see? I, I think the vast majority of fans in Scottish football don't want it um, I, I think it's inevitable, um, and I think also you will end up being one of these nations who doesn't have it. And I think that disadvantages referees as well, particularly referees who want to have international careers. So, if you're at referees who referee in Scotland and then are then expected to then do a European match during the week that does have VAR, that does put them in a bit of a disadvantage as well. So, you know, for for the progression of refereeing as a as a as a, as a occupation or as a profession in Scotland I do feel that that's that's important um but I just think yeah I I think ultimately as much as we love discussing controversial decisions every week in which way they should have went I think if you can get it right most times then you know you'll still find things to talk about you'll talk about goals and talk about the good things of the game not the controversies and the minutiae of oh that was a penalty that wasn't a penalty and, and so on and so forth so i say bring it on as long as it's the the clear and obvious mistake type var and not last season's english premier league which was a biochemical disaster so as long as it's a refined version then more for it not being able to talk about the minutiae and all the kind of bits and bobs we'll be out of a podcast um <laughs> it's been interesting to watch the sunset in perth as we have recorded uh lovely talking to you all thank you once again for all your feedback uh, left right and center uh, we'll get back to you again once scotland have done their double header thanks richard speak to you again soon two wins for scotland <laughs> <laughs>